Hi everyone, this is Michelle Hoskin, the founder and director of Standards International and um, I'm very excited to do uh, this podcast. This is our very first podcast in the series uh, under the title of the Power Planner podcast and the reason that I felt it was important to do this um, and actually set this as a regular feature, set it up as a regular feature was because the power planning profession within financial services um, globally is um, is starting to take hold, is starting to really get a sense of its own identity. Now, that profession of power planning is a bit more established in certain countries. For example, here in the UK, there are small groups that have come together to create forums. Uh, they call them powwows, where they get together and in uh, big bell tents up and down the UK to share best practice ideas and really to try and establish what that role of a power planner is. So we do recognise that the role of a power planner um, is really starting to take shape. Now, just to kind of give you a bit of background as to who I am and the organisation that I run. Uh, so my name is Michelle Hoskin and I've been working in financial services for 20 years. This is my 20th year. So a bit of a celebration for, um, for me and the team. And I started as, a, as an administrator working for three financial advisors within a network called Ally Dunbar. And I was a PA, secretary, administrator, assistant. Uh, the role titles varied dependent on the task that I was doing. But fundamentally, my role was to increase efficiencies within these three financial services businesses. Three very high top producing financial advisors, uh, not planners in those days, but, but really advisors. And um, very successful, you know, top performing within their group. Uh, you know, they had the penthouse offices. They were doing pretty well. Very different businesses, the three of them equally, you know, individually. But, you know, they were, they were successful in their own rights. But what happened was I started working with them as an administrator and straight away, I mean, almost on my second day, um, I could see that some of the things that were being done just made absolutely no sense. Not, none at all. Like I, I'd come out of the, um, the re, I'd worked in retail previously and I walk, walked into these businesses and thought, oh my God, like what on earth are they doing? Um, straight away I just established that the way that they were working was totally unsustainable, mainly because uh, fundamentally they were depleting their own resources every single day. So they were committing to things that in five years time they would no longer be able to personally deliver. So I could just see that the model that they were operating just was not, it was just not scalable in any way, shape or form. So within about three months, I had literally re-engineered, uh, probably the best word, their businesses. I had changed their processes, their practices, uh, and I, I literally just redesigned everything that they did um, that sat, actually, outside of that advice process. So, you know, they ran their advice process, they did their, their financial advisory duties, and I pretty much changed everything else. Uh, that was from the way that they recruited, the way that their back office system worked, the tools they used, uh, the way that they managed their diary, uh, you know, just really just everything that sat outside of the compliant advice process was, you know, there wasn't anything that I didn't then redesign. So over that 20 years, 
you know, I've um, done more of the same, um, obviously in a different scale, but, you know, really that's been the fundamental um, driver of everything that I've personally tried to do, which is to find the best possible version of, you know, themselves, to become the best possible version of themselves and to work in the most effective, most streamlined way possible and that's been my personal driver for the last 20 years now obviously if we you know i'm sure we'll we'll pick up on more uh you know stuff about me and kind of things that i've experienced but the business that we now have standards international has been going since 2007 um we um it was called the advisor partnership which was kind of my consulting business but fundamentally what we did was we set up a body which um didn't just help firms uh, achieve this best, best practice, but we designed what best practice was. So through various committees and subgroups and groups of people across the profession, you know, we now have four British, international and sector specific standards that, that currently span four key areas within financial services. One of those is um, BS 8577, which is a British standard for how a financial planning firm uh, should work. And when I was part of that committee, the brief was very simple. And it was literally, you know, if we were setting up and establishing the best financial services firm on the planet, what would it look like? And, and hence, that's what we've got in the standard. Then we have BS 8453, which is a British standard for compliance. And this was designed predominantly because um, firms within the UK mainly were just going about their merry way, running their own compliance departments. And, you know, in actual fact, kind of worse still, when they were outsourcing the provision of their compliance to a third party, to a consultant or to a larger organisation, they actually had no way of knowing, in fact, if that third party was actually any good at running their compliance department or running their compliance function. So it was this kind of this black hole of um, consultants sloshing around, all professing to know what they were doing, um, but actually they we had no way of proving that they did, other than when a compliance audit from the regulator um, occurred, that um, let's just hope to God that there's no errors or omissions in what we're doing and we get a clean bill of health. So, you know, BS 8453 was predominantly designed because really we needed a framework, a compliant best practice framework, best practice being the key word here for running a compliance department. And that's what we have in this standard. Then, of course, uh, the kind of founder of all standards was um, ISO 22222, 52s. Uh, we call it the two standard, um, and this is a standard for financial planners. Again, a simple brief, you know, what does the best financial planner on the planet look like? Uh, you know, in terms of knowledge, expertise, ethics, morals, values, the whole bag, you know, what does that planner look like? And that's what came in this, in the now, the shape of this standard. What's fundamental about the ISO though, uh, the ISO 2 standard, is that the clue is in the title, it's an international standard. It's not a British standard, it's not a sector specific, although it is, but by the name it is an international standard and what that means is, is that 
it was designed by international committees and it actually took seven years to create ISO 2. So when I um, see in the marketplace personally, you know, planners who profess to be the best they can possibly be, um, I disagree with them 100%. Like, you know, qualifications do not make an excellent financial planner. Uh, neither does experience alone. Neither does their ability to cash flow model. Neither does the ability to put a financial plan together. In actual fact, what, does, what makes an amazing financial planner is the kind of all-round whole person concept. Um, which is, you know, across the board, uh, I show expertise and excellence in all of the areas, um, my personal behaviours, my ethos, my values, my application skills, and so on. So, you know, I, I love this standard, like it, it's probably my, and has been for a while, my, my favourite standard, because I know uh, the, what it demonstrates when it is implemented and maintained within the financial planning planner sector. So it's quite an exciting standard for us. Um, but to bring us to the para, the para planner space, and obviously this is a para planner podcast, what, um, what we have now is the para planner standard. And this is a sector specific standard that has been designed by sector experts and professionals within the UK and overseas. It's an international standard. And what it is, it's an international benchmark of excellence in this role. So for example, to put that into context, what does that mean? This is not about pumping a load of technical knowledge into you. This is not. This is about having and being able to demonstrate the breadth and broad ranging knowledge, expertise, values, morals, and abilities to do this job. And it's assessed. This is not a test. This is not a, um, you know, let's sit an exam and see how smart you are. Absolutely not. Um, and I, and I, I know that this is uh, very different in the sector currently because we are experiencing a global pandemic um, of we are becoming absolutely obsessed with qualifications. And I, as I sit here recording this, I'll tell you now that that is a problem that's going to come and bite us on the arse. There's no question. Um, we know, I know, uh, firms know, um, and even power planners who are actually in, in current roles, there is this, I've got level six, I'm chartered, I've got this, I've got that, I'm super smart. And actually, I've met some of those power planners who are super smart. They are terrible at their job terrible at their job. Why? Because knowledge alone does not make a professional, doesn't, doesn't make a professional planner and it certainly doesn't make a professional power planner. So if you're listening to this and you are on a destination of, you know, academic excellence, fabulous, excellent, you know, that's what we need more of. However, it will not make you amazing at your job. There is so much more. And if you think about what we tried to achieve designing the power planner standard, it was simply what does the best power planner look like on the planet? And that's what went into the standard. So it's a benchmark of excellence. And I can see globally that this becomes the pinnacle of a professional achievement within this space. Uh, and I think, and I think it's gonna, it, it's you know, ultimately it's gonna come thick and it's gonna come fast. So the Power Planner Standard, you know, is the new kid on the block. Um, it's still early days. Uh, there are only a few that have, um, that have decided to work towards it. Does that bother us? Absolutely not. You know, we are um, women for the long game. You know, we want to change the world and we want to do it and it will take as long as it takes. But what I do know and what I can share with you is that there are two roles uh, that will unlock 
the potential in this sector and that will actually globally turn an industry into a profession and that is a power planner. The planners um, unfortunately are not the answer to this problem and this, this, this challenge that we face, power planners are and also the, the role of a business manager or practice manager. These two roles um, have not yet found their place in our sector, they've not made their mark fully uh, and when they do and we will have every um, we will have every intention of being part of that, establishing what these two roles are. Hence the reason that the next, or one of the next standards that we are going to design, which we have nearly already done through our work with the WOW programme that we run for practice managers and business managers, is to design the standard of business and operational excellence uh, in, that, in that space. So it's an exciting, an exciting journey ahead for us. Um, but yeah, Standards International is a certification body, it's a standards body, it's not an examination or academic body. This is, we're striving for, to achieve best practice across our sector and uh, that's why we have these sector standards. So the Power Planner standard, to bring it right to where we are as far as this podcast, it's that benchmark of excellence. And I, I love and I praise any power planner that exists in a role, regardless of their job title, regardless of their current status. Um, I know there is an awful lot of people in power planning roles who, quite frankly, are not power planners. Sadly, they've been given these grand titles um, by their employers who, quite frankly, have no idea what they're doing and um, have kind of called a power planner a power planner because it's a buzzword. Um, and in fact, you know, everything that I share and will share on this podcast will be real life. I don't make stuff up. I don't imagine things. This is all based on experience, feedback, um, just by talking to the planners, the firm owners, uh, professionals within the sector and para planners themselves. So I've got lots of stories to share and lots of stories to tell. And I, and I you know, whilst I've got a plan for this um, podcast, I kind of want it to be led by you um, as listeners. So I'm very happy to take um, comments and questions uh, that, that, you know, in, in terms of, um, you know, what you'd like me to talk about. And you can reach me by emailing me personally at michelle at standardsinternational.co.uk and I would be more than happy to get your feedback and we can invite guests and we can, you know, let's see where this goes. This is a, a world first power planner podcast. So let's um, let's make it awesome for everybody involved. The one thing I would <coughs> I would say is um, I, a quick story. I um, I bumped into a financial planner uh, who was a client a long time ago, um, probably about fifteen years ago, and I, I bumped into him at, at an event, and he said to me, um, he said, yeah, 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 Michelle. He said, I've I, I've got power planners. He said, I've got four of them. I thought, oh my god, Tony, that's amazing. Gosh, where did you find them? They're like rocking horse poo. So, you know, where, whereabouts did you get four? Because, you, you know, he, he works in Sleepy Hollow. His office is in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and he, he did take me back with, um, with the progress that he appeared to have made. And he went on to tell me about these para planners, you know, in speech marks, um, para planners that he has. And he went on to tell me how much he paid them. Um, it was quite low. I'm thinking, okay, let him let him carry on, let him go. So he carried on telling me about his power planners. And at the end of the conversation, he you know he kindly <laughs> pointed out to me. He said, so actually, you know, they're not really power planners. They're more like administrators. And I said to him, Tony, 
Like you're not helping. Like what are you doing? Why are you calling them power planners? Of which he answered, well, because they wanted a pay rise. So I decided to call them a power planner just to kind of keep them quiet. Fine, not very helpful in itself to any anybody. Nobody wins in that situation. Um, and he said, uh, well, because um, they do reports for me. And I said, that's not a power planner. Power planners are not there to do reports. They're there to collaborate with you, to share their expertise and knowledge so that, you know, you can both work together side by side. You know, let's not forget the word para means alongside, um, collaborate, to support, um, to bounce ideas off each other. This is not just a role that can be, you know, delegated all the crap that nobody wants to do, um, you know, or doesn't have time to do. This is a, this is a role that, that exists and this is not about just, you know, doing reports. So the thing I would just like to kind of, you know, reassure those, uh, that may be listening to this, whether that's, you know, uh, in the next year, two years, five years or 10 years, you know, stick to your guns. You know, a para planner is a role that works alongside a planner. That's why it's called a para planner. This is not a pimped up report writer. This is not a technical administrator that just gets all the shit that nobody wants to do. This is a para planner. They collaborate. They have that level of expertise. They 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 are powerful in that relationship. They have a, they have they are empowered to make decisions. They are, um, you know, they're given the control to use their judgment, uh, to have that autonomy over certain decisions. Not necessarily to sign off, you know, reports and plans and you know, but certainly to present recommendations based on their own knowledge and experience as to what's right for the client in any given circumstance. So, you know, if you are not a para planner, if you are not in that collaborative role with a planner, then you're not a para planner. You are, you are simply, um, and not, this is in no way to kind of, to, to belittle the role, but you know, you're a technical assistant. You are a technical administrator, not a para planner. And I think, you know, my message, you know, which I hope is coming across loud and clear is, we will only crack this if we start using the right terminology. Um, another quick story to, to highlight the point, you know, I've, I've worked, <laughs> you know, I've worked with planners and power planners for, for years and recently I was on Facebook and I was looking at, uh, you know, a, um, a, a, a sort of chat group, not for power planners specifically, but for the financial planning community in the UK. And I saw this post from a firm who really should have known better, if I'm honest. Um, and I... And it said, um, you know, blah, 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 firm. Honestly, I'm not going to tell you who it is because it will, you know, they at some point might listen to this. And it said, we are hiring. We are looking for a chartered, which for those of you that are listening internationally, this is kind of the pinnacle of excellence in terms of their academic knowledge. We are looking, this is level six. We are looking for a chartered paraplanner. Then it came, slash report writer. And I honestly, I was like, you're an idiot. Like, what are you doing? Like, you've got no idea what you're looking for. Needless to say, I have since kept an eye on this firm and surprise, surprise, they have not filled that role. Well, uh, really, you know, surprise, surprise. Of course they haven't. Because what they're looking for is basically a kind of identity crisis, nondescript, part panel planner, part administrator, part technical assistant. Well, no one's gonna go for that job. No one that's got chartered 
wants to do report writing, there's way more to it than that job. So we're not helping. So I think we've got to first and foremost get our terminology right. Um, you know, we've got to we've got to get this we've got to get this right. This is not a um, this is not an insignificant um, challenge, really. We've we've got to understand what a power planner is and what a power planner isn't. Um, and I know it varies from firm to firm. I keep being told by power planners, how can you define what a power planner is? We, we, we define what a planner is. We define what a financial advisor is. Why can't we define what a power planner is? Um, we have. It's in the standard. It's in the power planner standard. These are international requirements for professional power planners. And we have defined and designed that role. We've done it. Um, so it, yes, it does vary from firm to firm, but that's not because the role of a power planner varies. That's because the people who are not power planners in certain firms that are doing non-power planning tasks are called power planners. And this is why we're confusing the sector as a whole, which is not helping anybody. So I think it's, you know, if you are a power planner, you're striving to be a power planner, you feel you've got the wrong job title, uh, you feel, oh God, I mean, let me tell you this, just, it just popped into my head. I met a power planner who was a power planner and um, she was also the boss's executive assistant. She has no skills to be a, the financial planner's executive assistant. And the day I met her, that morning, I met her at um, a presentation I was doing up in Birmingham. She had collected his dry cleaning for him and she had ordered his wife's anniversary present. I mean, really. So this poor girl had slogged her arse out to get her um, level four, which is her diploma. She'd sat exams through the CII, the Chartered Insurance Institute here in the UK. She had worked her backside off to go and get his dry cleaning. And when I did my little thing and she came up to me after, she was actually crying. And I said, oh my God, like we need to sort this out for you. I said, please, please go back to your boss and tell him we think we've got it all wrong. And even if we have an off the record conversation, which I would be more than happy to do, we need to get this right. She'll leave, she will leave. She will get headhunted by a firm somewhere else and the offer of you won't need to fetch my dry cleaning will be enough. It will be enough to make her leave. So, you know, we've got to get this right. And there's lots of stories that I'll share and tell you as we go through, but come on people, like this is a role that is going to really, really take hold, you know, across the professional landscape globally, you know, and we can nail it, we can nail it. But I really, really, really want us to get into this, this, we know what it is, we know what it isn't. Um, and that role needs to be defined fully. Yes, there's flexibility in it. Of course, I don't want anybody going to their boss and going, that's not my job. I don't want to do that. That's not in my job description. However, what we do need to do is get this right. We're going to change the world with this role. This is the superpower that needs to be unleashed within our professional sector. Um, and I'm excited. I'm excited that... Um, you know, we're going to do this together. So, you know, join me, share this podcast. I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know how it's going to go, but I'm excited. And um, let's see where it goes from there. Okay. Keep being awesome. Bye.